Go to Romans 8, please, Romans 8. We've been on a series for some weeks now. I think this would be the 12th message on this, and we're nearing the end of this series, I think. Not that we, you ever really get to the end, but you, like Brother Hagin used to say, you just unhook from that car and hook to another one, because there's always more to see in, in the Word. But we've been talking about love over knowledge, and one of the things that we saw is how many times the New Testament talks about the conscience, the conscience, some 30 or so specific references in the New Testament to the conscience, and there are other more indirect ones. What is the conscience? You know, when people say they don't believe in things they can't see, well, then they don't believe in a mind. They don't believe in a thought. They don't believe in a feeling. They don't believe in love. You, know, you really don't believe those things exist because you can't see them under a microscope? No. The unseen world is real. And so a conscience... The, the literal meaning of the word conscience is a co-co-knowing, co-knowing, co-awareness. Now, you can't have a co with just one individual, you know, like a co-pilot. I'm a, who are you, a co-pilot? I fly by myself. Well, then you ain't a co-pilot. <laughs> Well, when it says co, co-knowing, what's he talking about? In Romans 8, one of my favorite scriptures, and I, ha- I have many. A lot of times the one that's not your favorite is the one you don't understand yet, or, <laughs> or the one you're not living by yet. <laughs> They're all good for instruction Wisdom and knowledge and correction and the list goes on. But uh, Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now when he says sons of God, don't think that he's leaving out the ladies. Sons of God include male and female. God made man in the beginning... And female didn't exist. And he said it's not good that the man should be alone. And he created female out of the man. And um, when he says sons of God. Galatians talks about in Christ. There's neither male or female. In spirit. In flesh there is. And that's another message. (laughs) God created them. Male and female. That's the word. But uh, sons of God, men and women, all of us, can expect to be and should be led by what? By what? By the Spirit of God. Said out loud, I am led. Well, let's, let's back it up. We just got through singing the song that Reggie sang for us. I believe in the Son of God, therefore I'm a son of God. He's quoting scriptures. So say it out loud, I'm a son of God. And I am led by the Spirit of God. Now you just said a lot. Because if you or I were really led by the Spirit of God 100% of the time, we'd never make a mistake. You think the Holy Spirit's going to lead you to make a mistake? Going to lead you to the wrong place, the wrong time, do the wrong thing? So all of the errors are not Holy Spirit errors. They're human errors. And they're a failure to be led by the Holy Spirit. And what is uh, sad and, and even can be tragic is that we have, as a believer, we have inside us 
the person of the Holy Spirit who knows every answer to every question we could ever have and every direction for everything we should ever do, but millions of Christians never even ask him. They never look to him, they never check, much less listen. And that is a giant mistake. So say it again. I'm a son of God. And I am led by the Spirit of God. Say it again. I am led by the Spirit of God. Another time. I am led by the Spirit of God. If you're about to buy something and your biggest emphasis is, is how much does it cost? And then you go, well, that's the one I want. And then you find out the price. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can't do that. Then are you being led by the Spirit? No. What are you being led by? Price. Price. If you're led by price, you're not being led by the Spirit. If you say... Well, yeah, that's what I, you know, that's what it seemed like I ought to do. But uh, what will people think? I know so-and-so's not going to understand. And what will people say? I just can't do that. Then what were you led by? Were you led by the Spirit? No. No. You were led by the fear of man, which brings a snare, a trap. And the list goes on and on and on about what people are led by. They're led by popular opinion. They're led by majority consensus. Led by consumer reports. Led by how many likes are stars. You know, folks, companies pay people right, to write reviews and stuff. You, how many would understand it? You, you cannot believe everything you see on TV or read on the internet. Surely you know this. I've been astounded at some things I've seen. It looks so legit. And it was completely fabricated. Completely made up. And I didn't realize that national news agencies did that until a few years ago. And a national thing came on. I won't name which one is, but one of the ones that's been around a long time. And I happened to be in the know on what they were talking about. I knew the numbers. I knew everything. And they totally made up stuff. They made up stuff and told it like it was a truth. With a straight face. <laughs> now, that shouldn't shock us. I said that should not shock us because Satan is the father of lies and he's the God of this world and he's influencing everywhere he can and so instead of being so shocked you should expect that a whole lot of stuff you hear is just flat not true and that the only thing that you can just accept 100% is truth without even checking is this everything else you better check it out. And what you better check it by is the word and this witness that we're talking about. Say it out loud again. I'm a son of God. And I am led by the Spirit of God. Now, now he goes on to say 15 and 16. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Some of the worst trouble you can get into is to allow yourself to be led by fear. The devil uses fear and panic to lead people into destruction. If you get real scared and you just knee jerk, go do something, that's when people get killed and die and run into the wrong thing and, and lose everything they've got. Say it out loud, I refuse, I refuse to, be led by fear. to be led by fear. See, when you're feeling panicky and full of fear, that's when you need to get yourself by the ear and sit yourself down and say, don't you move. 
don't you move. You sit here, you get still, you get quiet until you hear from God. And it takes discipline to do that. Because especially when something hits you and something shocks you, you know, you'll be tempted and pulled to just got to do something, got to do something. No, you don't. Well, you got to hear from God. And you'll, you'll have to get a hold of yourself. And he said, God, you know, we know from Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So don't, don't yield to it. Don't receive it. We've not received the spirit of bondage. It'll, it'll come on you. Fear will try to come on you, but you don't have to receive it. But we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit's leadings are always in comfort and peace. Familiar. Abba means Dada, Daddy. The comfort of the family of God, of the great Father God. We don't respond to panic and fear. We've got the spirit who makes us feel like we belong. And comfort. Look at verse 16. He gives you details as to how he leads us. The spirit itself. That's King James. Actually it's the word autos. And himself is a better translation. The reason I say that is because the Holy Spirit is not in it. Any more than you're in it. You wouldn't like it if you came through the door and we said, there it is. So don't refer to the Holy Spirit as it. Jesus always referred to the Holy Spirit as him. He. Him. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's how he leads us. And this is supposed to be 24-7. This is a way of living, functioning. Phyllis and I talk about it often. You just feel sorry for people who don't know anything about being led by the Spirit. They are missing. They got a giant hole in their life that the enemy can just wreak havoc. And we are so thankful we learned about being led by the Spirit from Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. He has a little book, a little white book, I believe with a dove on the front and some blue things, How to Be Led by the Spirit. If you don't have that book, get that book. We don't have it, we don't carry it, but Kenneth Hagin Ministries, they have it, they'll mail it to you, you can order it, whatever, but How to Be Led by the Spirit. He goes in detail, and the reason he knows it, the head of the church revealed it to him personally. This is big stuff. But the way the Spirit of God leads us is by the inner witness. Read that again. The Spirit himself, what does he do? Bears witness with what part of our being? Not your intellect. Not your emotions. Not your physical feelings. Which is why we're not led, we're not to be led by feelings our emotions, our rationale, our logic, our reasoning. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. And the way He leads us is by witnessing with our spirit. You are a spirit being. You have a mind. You live in a body. And the Spirit of God, who is spirit, bears witness With your spirit. That's not an audible voice. That's not a sensation. That's not a hot flash. A cold flash. It's this co-knowing. This co-awareness. Can you see this? And conscience is the voice of your spirit. And the spirit of God lets you know things through your own spirit. Put your hands on the middle part of your your being because the Bible said, Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And said this, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about your stomach. He's not talking about your digestive system. The heart of man, that's not your physical blood pump, 
But just like you, you talk about the heart of the watermelon, the heart of a pine tree. What are you talking about? The core, the inner part, the inside part. That's what you're talking about. Say it out loud. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God dwells in me. And he leads me me. through my spirit. spirit. His spirit spirit bears witness witness with my spirit. spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how he lets us know things. Now go with me to Acts, the 27th chapter. Like I said this week, I'll be, you know, honest with you, I always am. This week when I saw that storm turn and hit Naples and, and Fort Myers. You know, that's just an hour south of uh, the church in Sarasota there. It just, I just wanted to cry half the night. It just, it hurt my heart and still does. And uh, I thought, no, that's not what we wanted. You know? And uh, I sought the Lord for answers. We need answers about this. Now. And like I told you, he, one of them he gave me immediately. He said, that scripture you're quoting to me. They were in the storm when that happened. Well, I didn't particularly like that answer. <laughs> but but, uh, but then the, the next day or two, he reminded me, he said, Keith, there's an entire chapter in the New Testament about surviving a storm. 44 verses. He said, won't you look at it again? So it's what you and I are going to do right now. We're going to look at it again. Because how many believe there are answers in the Word of God? Now, and, and this is what you need. You don't need what everybody thinks. Everybody's opinion and idea about all these things. You don't need my opinion. You, you need the Word of God. Because that's it. That's always been right. Always will be right. Well, it's the 27th chapter of Acts. When uh, Paul was being taken as a prisoner to Rome. And they were taken by ship. Because ship, they didn't have airplanes then. And and long distance travel was either overland, walking, donkeys, horses, or over water. And of course, these vessels were uh, not like today. They didn't have the navigational equipment and all that, you know, and they were extremely slow and they were completely dependent on the winds. Sailing vessels. So let's, let's look at it. Acts 27. It was determined that we should sail to Italy. And they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. So this man was an officer in the Roman military. And entering into a ship of Adramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. So they were going to take a more northerly trek than they wound up taking. We launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, and there was one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And uh, the next day we touched at Zidon, and Julius, this officer, courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go to his friends and refresh himself. So Paul has favor with this Roman officer, because he is a prisoner. And yet, this officer who has command over the other soldiers there, he is letting him at liberty go to his friends, and they ate, and he cleaned up and gave him clothes and all that kind of stuff and and so verse 4 when we had launched from there we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary and when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia we came to Myra a city of Lycia it's interesting a, a number of these ancient cities some of them are still there called by a similar name others have a new name but you can find them and um some, like I was looking at the island of Crete, is a big part of this story. And they even have some things named Paul this and that on the south side of the island of Crete. 
because that's where they wind up land, you know, being there for a, a part of the time. This is not a fairy tale. This happened. Right? All these places are still there. We came to Myra, city of Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing to Italy. That's where they're going, Italy. And he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over near Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni. So the wind was such that they couldn't go the route they wanted to. And so they diverted a more southerly route and wound up going under the island of Crete. You can easily find the Isle of Crete, Google it, whatever, and they're on the south side now. Hardly passing it, they came to a place which is called the Fair Havens, near unto whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now I want to stop just a moment. This is a lot of detail. About what? A boat trip. This is the Bible. How many believe God didn't waste Bible real estate? So is every one of these things important? Every one of, whether you see it or not, every one of them is very significant. And uh, now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed. If you look in the Amplified, it says about the 1st of, no, of October. That's right now. About the 1st of October. That's why, well, there you go, right? The Day of Atonement, about the beginning of October. So exactly this time of year. Why are there hurricanes? Why do they exist? Y'all are quiet. There's an answer. There's an answer in the word. It's because of the curse that's in the earth. Because of the fall of man. Because of sin and death. Things are skewed. Things have been altered. Things have been corrupted from the way God made them. And they're not right. God made everything good. Didn't he? He even looked at it all when it was finished and he said, look, behold, it is very good. What is that? How many believe it was perfectly in balance? You know it was. It didn't even rain like it does now. Everything was watered. A mist went up. It was perfect. It wasn't too wet. It wasn't too dry. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. Everything was perfect. Until the devil and sin and disobedience and then the curse was pronounced and everything just like the Lord warned them, if you sin in the day that you do, you will surely die. Well, they didn't fall dead that moment, but death began. Incipient death, corruption. And eventually things would begin to get old and peak and then decay. And that was not part of God's original creation. In fact, they tell us our very own bodies are designed to completely replace every cell in perfection every so many years or whatever. And if that happened, then you would reach your peak and then not age. And you would never die. But something happened. The cycle is not complete. It gets to a place and then it doesn't come completely around and the cell is not perfect like it was. And then that's decay. That's aging and decay. That's not how God made us. Well, the Bible tells us, hold your place here and go to Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans 8, verse 20, I believe it is. He said the, the creature, actually that's the word for creation, Romans 8, 20. The creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, 
but by reason of him who subjected the same in hope, because the creation itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We're made from the earth, our bodies are. And so the same thing that's happening to our body is happening to the whole planet. Same thing. And you see it in the next verse. Verse uh, 22. For we know that the whole creation is what? Groaning and travailing in pain together until now. Until the present moment. And it's true too. This present moment. What, what are hurricanes? What are earthquakes? What are all these things? The earth is groaning. It's travailing. It's not right. It's off. Its cycles are off. Its pressures are off. Hurricanes are the result of heating, and cooling, and pressures. Wind, wind is air. And air flows from high pressure to low pressure. Just like water falls from a high place to a low place. And if it's a real high place to a real low place, water doesn't just drip over the side. It comes cascading over like a giant waterfall like Niagara Falls. And that's what wind does in a hurricane. You'll notice that in the middle of these hurricanes, the pressure is low, way low. And so the, the air starts moving, and it starts way over in the Sahara Desert in Africa. Those winds and all that heat come off the coast of Africa, and that's where hurricanes and tropical storms start forming, and then they can turn into hurricanes way out there in the Atlantic off the coast of Africa. And one thing the Lord pointed out to me is that, you know, hurricanes have been happening since before there was any record of them in our history. And I was able to look up the numbers from 1851 to current, and there have been probably a thousand hurricanes in that length of time, in 160 years. That's not tropical storms. That number would be triple that or more. And most of them did not destroy and kill. For every one that did, there were hundreds that didn't kill and destroy. We ought to be thankful for that. What do you think? But we do want to find out how to be spared from any. But what we're talking about here, actually that we'll see a word here in just a moment that that refers to what we've been describing. It was the same time of year. And it was a, a storm. Out in the ocean. So keep reading. Back to Acts. Acts. 27. Verse 9. It was late. In the year. For traveling in the Atlantic. Does it matter when you go? And now sailing was dangerous. Who said sailing was dangerous? The Bible <laughs> said sailing was dangerous. <laughs> at, at that place, at that time of year. Well, why not just speak to it? Well, why not just speak to the North Atlantic and command it to never have any hurricanes again? That's beyond us. Why not just speak to the curse for it to be removed and the earth to be straightened out? That's beyond us. That's not within our scope and our authority. Sailing was dangerous because of the time of year. And Paul admonished them. Verse 10. He said, sirs, I perceive. You what? 
perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and the ship, but also our lives. He's talking about their equipment and their stuff and their lives. Let me read this to you from another translation. The Amplified says, Sirs, I I perceive that this voyage will be attended with disaster and much heavy loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but of our lives, our lives. Now, we've been talking about the conscience. We've been talking about the witness. Is that what he's talking about here? Didn't say he had a vision. Didn't say he heard a voice. What did he have? A perception, a knowing. And this, had it been heeded, would have delivered them from the storm. Not out of the middle of it. They'd have missed the whole thing. They'd have never been in the storm. From the storm. There is deliverance out of the midst of the storm. Thank God. But there's also deliverance from, from the whole thing. So, I mean, that's what uh, Phyllis was mentioning, the woman that we talked to, communicated with just yesterday. Had lived there for years. Now, where she's talking about, that was the hardest hit point. That and Sanibel, hardest hit. And she said a year ago, not a year ago, a month ago. A month ago, she lived there for years. A month ago, the Lord directed her, it's time for her to move and sell her place. And of course, real estate, booming. So it sold like that, I guess. And she moved the next week. She missed the whole storm. Can you see that? She missed the whole thing. Now, none of us can say, Oh, yeah, I've always done that. (laughs) How many of you have missed it and didn't listen and went through things you shouldn't have gone through? I see hands everywhere. I got both of mine up. I'm not proud of that. We should learn. We should get smarter. But sometimes missing it costs you a little bit. Sometimes mystic it costs you everything. He said, sirs, I perceive that this voyage is going to be with much hurt, disaster, damage, not only of the ship, that's the vessel you're on, and all its cargo, but us too, our lives. What did he say? How did he know that? He perceived it, not hearing a voice, not a feeling, not a hot flash, not a cold flash, not goosebumps, not emotions, not mental reasoning. Paul's not a shipmaster. He's not a meteorologist, right? He's not claiming to be, but you don't have to be if you got the Holy Spirit. I said, you don't have to be. You don't have to know all of these things. If you got the Holy Spirit, he'll let you know what you need to know, when you need to know it, where you need to know it. But the big question is, will you listen? Will you listen? And, next verse, nevertheless, those are sad words. (laughs) Another way of saying nevertheless is, but. But the centurion, even a man who obviously has some respect for Paul, and Paul has favor with this man, but he believed the master and owner of the ship. Come on, can you see this? He's probably, he, he's a soldier. Nobody said he prayed much. And uh, he probably figures, well, it's their ship. You know, 
I don't think they'd just drive it into a storm and, and go down. I think he decides they know more what they're talking about than this wide-eyed preacher. He believed. Does it matter who you listen to? Does it matter who you believe? He believed the master and owner of the ship more than the things that were spoken by Paul. But Paul wasn't just giving them his opinion. He perceived something. He perceived something. Something that could have saved them all from even having to go through a storm. Could have saved them from the storm. Keep going. But because the, here's the rest of the reasoning and story. Because the haven was not commodious to winter in. When's the last time you used that word in a sentence? <laughs> oh, sorry, that's, that's not commodious. Uh, people would say, the commode? You're talking about the commode? No, no, no. <laughs> Where they were, where they had stopped, because things weren't going good with the trip, the wind wasn't good, and you know they weren't able to keep their original route. Man, Phyllis and I, we've learned to watch this. When things are not working out, and you just keep running into this, and you run into that, take a step back. Is that right? Take a step back and go, oh, hold on now. Did the Lord tell us to do this? Or we just make our plan and we're trying to push it through. Our safety and our security is not just all up to God. It's not just all up to Him. We have a part. We must pray. We must look. We must check. What did the Bible say? Trust in the Lord. With what part are you being? What part are you being? All your heart, lean not. Somebody say, lean not, lean not, lean not to your own. What's your understanding? That's your reasoning, that's your facts, that's your figures, that's you watching the news, that's you. That's all your information that you can gather to make a decision by. It's not wrong to use your head and hear and find out what you can, but when it comes time to make the decision, you don't go by this. You go by this, which is not reasoning. It's not logic. It's not analyzing. It's that perception, that knowing. The haven was not commodious to winter in. And the more part advised to depart, that if any means they might attain to Phanisi, which was nearby, wasn't that far, but you got to launch and sail around to get to it. And winter there, because it was more commodious. <laughs> it was more of a resort spot. How many times people have made decisions and ignored? The Lord said, just sit right here, stay here. And they're like, yeah, but there's no shopping mall. <laughs> there's no, there's no drive-throughs, and it's not commodious. It's not, it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. They don't have my brand of this. You mean I'm gonna be here all winter, and they don't have my makeup, and they don't have my hairspray? They don't, there's not a McDonald's anywhere and it's not commodious. <laughs> it's, that means it's not, it's not comfortable. It's not convenient. But it can be exactly where you should sit your little self down. Right? And be safe. How many would rather be comfortable or safe? Because that comfort's going to go out the window. Is that right? When the danger comes piling in. And so, well, how did you enjoy your, your winter stay there in the uh, Fair Havens, which obviously didn't describe the village very well? You'd say, well, it was not commodious, but I'm alive. I'm, 
<laughs> got my arms and legs. <laughs> Is that right? So, so it was a good winter. It was a, right? And we're all geared up and ready. Boat's still in one piece. All the cargo's still there. Now all we got to do is take this little short trip over to Italy and be done. Yeah, we lost some time and it was inconvenient. Friend, we have not paid enough attention to the leading of the Spirit. We've been too moved by price, by convenience, by all this other stuff. And so here is where they made one of the worst decisions of their life. And here's something else. Paul and those with him and the whole rest of them there, 276 people, had to go through the storm because the people in charge wouldn't listen. I said, because the people in charge. If it had been up to Paul, They'd have stayed there. Right? And whoever else was with Paul, like who, you know, who's writing this? Dr. Luke, and he mentioned Aristarchus, and of course, any of his guys were saying, listen to Paul. I'm telling you, we've been traveling with him for years, and he don't just say stuff like this. I'm telling you, when he says, stay here, you better stay here. And they're like, oh, those charismatics, you know, man, they're, they're always hearing from God about something, right? <laughs> That's what happened. And so he said, y'all can go. I'm going to have a meeting, you know, with the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship. And so they decided for everybody else, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Caleb went through 40 years, 40 years of desert, and you talk about not commodious, 40 years of extremely uncommodious. Why? Because the people wouldn't listen. The rest of the folks wouldn't listen. And it's a sad, frustrating thing, but it's true that people can make decisions that you're not in control of, and it can affect you. Had it not been for the mercy of God, they'd all died in that storm because the people in charge made the wrong choice. It affected everybody under them, which is why it's important for us to pray for those that are in authority. Is that right? And in a free country like us, vote. Is that right? It matters who's leading. They can cause you to have to go through stuff you shouldn't have gone through. But no matter what, you know this, the Lord will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. And if you weren't delivered from it, you can still be delivered out of the... Even if it's in the middle of the fiery furnace, you can still come out. And they came out without the smell of smoke. You can still have a testimony. Wonderful testimony. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise God, praise God, praise God. Verse 13. And when the south wind blew softly, they said, I see there. That preacher don't know what he's talking about. Look at that. Clear weather. Nice little southerly breeze. Just what we need. Let's load this baby up and go. Man, you got to watch. Get their itis. Get their itis. Has killed a lot of people. What do you mean? Got to get there. Got to get there. And we travel a lot. We fly a lot. We make our, you know, plans. And, and uh, you got to watch. I mean, I know these things. I should know them. But there's been several times I've really had to get a hold of myself because maybe you're tired. Maybe it's been long and you want to go home and you want to be done. And there's been more than once that I've, 
I've looked at Mike and we're all, I mean, we are all primed. Everything is loaded and ready. And I looked at him and said, hmm, let's go to the room. Why? I could just tell we're too tired. It's too, I just don't have a good witness about it. It's going to cost you some money. Yeah, I know. Go to the room. Well, you've been in the room for weeks. You want to spend another night in the room? <laughs> yeah, but it's nice the next day when you're fresh and yeah. everything's good and fine and, yeah. and you're, you know, yeah. and your church is not saying, why didn't Brother Keith listen? <laughs> or your family? So they loaded up, they launched. And uh, verse 14, but not long after, just about, uh, t- tell me what should have happened. Say this out loud. They, they should have, have listened. Listen. Come on, say it again. They, they should have, have listened. You know what the biggest problem on the planet today? I know that's a giant statement, but you heard me say it. Biggest problem on the planet People won't listen. They won't listen to God. They won't listen. And he won't make you listen. Not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind. That means a storm wind called Eurocladon. That is tropical storm hurricane wind from the east is what it means. Well, where do these hurricanes in the Atlantic come from? They come from the east. Same deal. Happens every year. Every year. Some dozen, sometimes as many as 20 or 30 tropical storms form out there. Not uncommon for there to be half a dozen hurricanes develop out of them. There's been as many as 12 Hurricane, full-blown hurricanes develop in one season. And they start heading west. This is where we are, in the west. And uh, that is the curse that's in the earth. That's not going to change. But what we can do is at every juncture we can seek God. Is that right? And and we can, the, the big things we can do... Let me back up. Let me back up. Number one thing to do. Be saved and ready to go. Right now. Come on, everybody help me out. Number one thing. Number one thing. If you ain't saved, you get yourself saved today. You receive the Lord today. Why? Oh, well, I'm only, you know, 25. Do you know how many 25-year-olds died yesterday across the world? 150,000 people died yesterday. 24 hours, somewhere across the planet. 150,000. You think all of those are old people? Your heart stop. That's it. You live here. There are million ways for you to die today. There's so much you don't know. This earth is a dangerous, dangerous place. Be ready to go at any moment, at any time. How can you be ready to go? You got to be saved. You got to receive Jesus as your Lord, your only Lord and your only Savior. And you count, you're counting on what he did to save you. Not anything you can do. You cannot be good enough to save yourself. People say, well, I hope I've been good enough. I hope I make heaven. That's an indication you're not going to make heaven. No, you, you must not count on anything else except what Jesus has done for us. We could not save ourselves. We could not be good enough. We could not earn it. So everybody said out loud, lift up your hand and say, Father God, I believe in you. I am a believer. I believe you made the heavens and the earth and mankind and everything else and everything good. And I believe you sent your son Jesus 
to be the Savior of the world. The only one who could save us. And that he died on the cross. And paid the full price. For all my sins. Every failure. Every mistake. And that you have raised him from the dead. Free from sin. And because he is raised. I will be raised. And I am saved. Because of him. And I receive Jesus. And I receive forgiveness. And I receive salvation. Jesus. I confess you. Is my only Lord. My only Savior. Thank you. For saving me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the psalmist said. That the Lord will guide me. And afterwards receive me to glory. So say it out loud. Thank you Lord for guiding me. And for afterward. Receiving me to glory. So what happens if you die right now today? What happens? What happens? What happens? I am going to be with the Lord. I am departing. My spirit will leave my body. And I won't go down. I will go up. Hallelujah. Not because I've been so good, but because I have put all my faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so whatever it might be, a storm, whatever it could be, a disease, random, crazy, whatever. If I listen to him, he'll protect me and guide me my whole life long. But what we're talking about now is especially applicable if you don't listen to him. If you don't get it right. And you make a misstep or whatever, you still won. Because you're saved. Is that right? You still won. Because you're saved. Number one, we must be born again, be ready to go at any moment, at any time. Do not put it off. So foolish, so dangerous to do so. Hallelujah. And secondly, We've been doing that, but we confess boldly that God is my refuge. That's part of our responsibility in this thing. How many remember the 91st Psalm? What does it talk about? I will dwell, or he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Hallelujah. My God, my Lord, my God, in him I trust. You want to say that and not be ashamed of it and not be quiet and, 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 you know, weak about it. God takes care of me. I had people calling me in in the front of some of those things. And that's one thing I I said. They said, well, uh, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, what what about it? I said, uh, God always takes care of us. That's what I said. I didn't understand why it was turning and hitting but I still believe. Oh, come on, can you see this? I still believe, and I said it boldly. I said, God always takes care of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, we experience the fullness of it if we'll listen to him. But even if for some reason we don't, out of his mercy. I said, out of his mercy, he still takes care of us. Everybody said out loud, God, God. always takes care of us. He always does. He always does. Always does. Through his faithfulness and also his mercy. Which is what we see in the next part of this. South wind blew softly. Everything seemed cool. Verse 14, it ain't cool. <laughs> This is this wind's getting too strong. And uh, when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. What does that mean? Ain't nobody driving the storm. And what happened with them is they got caught in the storm and are being carried along with the storm. That's why they never got out of it for two weeks. Because they're traveling with the storm. 
<laughs> if you were just powering through it, you'd come out on the other side at some point, but they didn't come out on the other side. You know why? Because it was uncommodious. Is that right? Over in the Fair Havens, no Walmart. There was no Walmart there. Didn't have their brand of hairspray. You know what they're wishing now? Come on, help me out. They were wishing they were uncomfortable back at Fair Havens. <laughs> Ship was caught up. We let her drive. We let her go. I couldn't do anything else. And running under a certain island, which is called Clouda, we had much work to come by the boat. This boat's coming apart. It's opening up. It's leaking. And they, when they taken up, they used helps. They undergirded the ship, fearing lest we should fall in the quickstands. We strike sail. They didn't want to, but they thought, we've got to get out of here. This, this thing going to come apart right here. So they lift the sail up. Oh, man, you do that. That wind caught that sail. Here they go. On for the ride. Verse 18, we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest. What are they in? Out on the sea, they call it a typhoon. It's a hurricane. The next day, they lighten the ship. They start throwing stuff overboard. The third day, they cast out with their own hands the tackling of the ship. These are the blocks and ropes you need to operate the ship by. Why would you throw them away? Because you think you're about to die right now. Or you'd never throw that out. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared. Tell me what's, what's, what's the big thought here? They should have listened. Is that right? Was this God's perfect will for them to go through this? No. What's God's perfect will? Listen when he says stay here. No small tempest. Left. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. He's including himself. He said everybody lost any hope after many days. They never saw the sun in two weeks. <laughs> They're in the, in the storm, in the middle of it. Keep going. After long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. What's he doing? They hadn't seen him for days. What's he doing? He's seeking God. Is that right? Why didn't he just stand up on the deck of that ship and rebuke that storm? Why didn't he command it to stop? Because he couldn't. I said, because he couldn't. Well, didn't he have authority? Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. What I say, uh, we must not separate exercising authority and faith from being led by the Spirit. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can do stuff in the flesh. You can yell and scream. But if the Lord told you to stay at Fair Havens, it ain't going to work. It's not going to work. And Paul was spiritual enough, he knew that. He knew there was no need in him yelling and screaming on the deck. That it wasn't going to change things. Because they're in this, not because it was the will of God, because God had already given them safety. Stay here. And they didn't listen. And finally he came forth in the midst. And you know what he said? I said, you know what he said? Well, it is flat annoying to go through something like this when you didn't have to. Is that right? When you could have missed it. He said, sirs, still respectful. You should have hearkened to me. You should have listened to me and not loosed from Crete. And, and, and his, his party's probably said, we told you, we told you. <laughs> and now everybody's in agreement going, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
There ain't nobody on this. 276 people on there. None of them are disagreeing with this. Everybody knows what they would give to be back in Uncommodiousville. They, <laughs> right. What they would give. <laughs> Sirs, you should have hearkened to me. You should have listened to me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. But here we see the mercy of God. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Cheer up. Really? For there will be no loss of any man's life among you. We are going to lose the ship. For there stood by me this night. Somebody say mercy, mercy, mercy. There stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve. He, he said the angel was God's angel. I belong to God. I serve God. And God sent God's angel to me. And he said, you know what he said? Fear not, Paul. Did they need to hear that right now? Oh, oh, fear not, Paul. You have an appointment in Rome, boy. You must be brought before Caesar. I have some messages I want you to preach up there. And you're going to get there. That didn't mean the other 275 had to survive. Didn't mean that. And lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. What do you mean God gave them to him? Why, why would he say it like that? Because he must have asked for them. Oh, can you see this? Paul asked. What's he doing? All that time, long abstinence. Nobody knew where Paul was during all this. He, he's seeking God. And, and what's, what's he praying? I don't know exactly, but I, I know enough about the scripture and about how these things work. He was saying something like, God, Father, forgive us. We should have listened. I know, you know, we didn't have control over them. And I know you don't owe them this or that, but I'm asking you, Father, spare their lives. Oh, come on, can you see this? Spare, spare our lives, Lord. He's asking for mercy. God heard it and sent an angel. Angel showed up. Hallelujah. Message from the throne. He said, God's heard you. And you're going to have to get before Caesar. And, oh, somebody say and, and. and. How many think the 275 were really glad about the and? The and. And, lo, look at this. Behold, God has given you everybody that's sailing with you. They're going to all make it too. Woo. Mercy of God. Verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be, even as it was told. Now, when he's saying this, he's having to yell above the wind. Can you see this? And the salt water's slapping them off. They are in the storm. The storm hasn't changed. But he's telling them, and see, here's such a picture of faith. Faith cheers up before anything changes. Come on, can you see that? Faith cheers up while the wind's still blowing. While the water's still, salt water's still slapping you in the face. He said, cheer up. He even told them, let's eat. He said, you hadn't eaten in days. Why? They're puking their guts out there. They're holding on the ropes. And he said, come on, you got to eat. Need your strength. And they did. They're going to have to make a little swim here pretty quick. Can you see that? Let's eat. And without going through all the rest of it, verse 44, they, uh, well, verse 43, well, verse 42, <laughs> the soldiers counsel when the ship broke up was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. Why? Because they will be executed if they don't show up at Rome with these prisoners. And verse 43, but the centurion, 
We know his name, Julius. Willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they that could swim should cast their self. They dive first into the sea and get to land. The rest, people that couldn't swim, get some boards, get some broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to the land. Delivered out of the midst of the storm. Wasn't God's best. Wasn't his highest. But they're still all alive. And they're still all wound up in Rome. That next season. They just spent the winter. (laughs) If they thought Fair Havens was uncommodious. (laughs) This island of Mel. It says they were barbaric. They were the barbarous people. I mean this was. You're talking about the wild west buddy. This was. (laughs) But. You're alive. Didn't die in the hurricane. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.